Welcome to FinTech's DEI Discussions podcast series. This is an action-focused Walk the Talk series special, and we are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today, we are joined by Sarah Hager, CCO at Enable Banking. She is here to share how she walks the talk for inclusion in our sector and what more she wants done. Sarah, I am super excited to have you with us today. Thank you very much for the invitation. We've got a lot to get through today because you are going to be sharing case studies, examples. I am so I feel so empowered having previously spoken with you and I'm so excited for you to share this with our audience. But before we get into all of that, tell us about your current role, please. Mm, I'm working for a fintech operating in the open banking space, so working with the APIs of the banks. And we are enabling other companies to build innovative products on top of account data and on top of enabling payments. That's in in the essence. Amazing. And hence the name, Enable Banking. I love it. I love it. It does what it says on the tin. And what about your role as CCO? What does that involve? Mm, It's everything on the commercial side, anything around uh, the marketing, the sales, the commercial part of product development, the packaging, finding partner strategies, find basically finding the best win-win-wins. The win for our partner, the win for the customer, the end user, and the win for ourselves. Yeah, fantastic. And today's episode, we're sharing case studies of where real change for inclusion has taken place. You know, you have a huge drive for fairness. You've worked very hard to bring salaries and gender balance to your leadership teams over your careers. So I wanted you to share some of that with us today. I mean, Sweden is a very, where I come from, it's a very equal country. And although we have our challenges also, it wasn't until I actually moved to Germany before I started seeing structures that I've never previously encountered. And there were a few situations in uh, back, back in time there and then where I thought, well, this is not fair. This is far from equal. And uh, I need to find tools in order to navigate this new reality, this new culture, basically. And uh, I uh, started Googling to find out how do I learn to navigate the German culture and the more masculine driven culture. And uh, then I actually found something called an arrogance training. Uh, That was a two days training and uh, it was more for Inofficially, it was called arrogance training, but more publicly, I think it was called management training. And uh, I was set up on a potential leader path. So that's what took me into it. I learned that it's not always about going high and playing the good game, but that it's a lot about, uh, they spoke about three different languages. It was about the bronze, silver and gold language. And uh, the bronze language was the language that uh, I was always practicing. It was uh, intellectual, thoughtful, fact-based language. Uh, The kind of language that you learn at university. The silver language, however, however, was the bullshit language. Meaning you can cut someone off with some utter complete bullshit and then you get a point in the hierarchy score. Uh, And then the golden language was the physical language, how you can take space, how you can take your space and 
be there, enjoy it, and not be fearing to take the space. And uh, with those three languages, we also learned a few other tactics. And one of them was a uh, kind of a mirroring tactic. When we were sitting in the uh, sales management team back then, we or I often experienced how men would take my ideas. I would propose something and then discussion would go elsewhere and then another man would repropose what I proposed. I quickly saw this, so I found a few partners among my colleagues and we basically said, well, if they are doing that towards us, then we need to do the same towards them because otherwise we're never going to be heard. So uh, we started mirroring their tactics and uh, we're looking at the kind of tactics that they that brought them forward. And uh, mirroring was one of the most important one. Mirroring the tactics, mirroring the behaviors, mirroring in some parts also how, how they speak and the words they use. Because we have to face it in the office world, we're still speaking men. And women are very good in speaking men. So in that sense, it started with uh, me and my colleague then waiting for another colleague to, to, to pop an idea, change the subject and then go back and, and uh, repropose that idea. It turned into us looking at the different tactics and then playing the same kind of tactics, mirroring and adding new behaviors and often keeping it in mind for myself. So this is what a man is doing. Would it be considered normal, accepted, respected if a woman would do it? If my own answer to that was no, then I know that something here is not good. That's something that I brought with me later on when I was moving to Sweden again. And uh, I was often, or I mean, we've been hearing about it all our lives, about the salaries and how equal they are, how much more men are earning and how much less women are earning. And that's always been with me. And I mean, I've been offered a lot through my life, a lot of opportunities throughout my life. And I guess I've been wanting to try to pay those forward. If someone has been opening a door to me, I've been trying to open a door to someone else. If I'm seeing an opportunity somewhere and I'm not able to take it, I'm referring another woman to the opportunity. And when looking at the concrete example that we also discussed previously, it was about how we saw that the salary range was very large for the same kind of job being done. And we actually almost closed that gap as we minimized the high earners, the salary increases. So previously it was always around a percentual salary increase on an annual level. And if you have someone that earns twice as much, then in the end, they are also going to be getting a twice as high salary increase because of their starting point is higher. And uh, we moved that from the percentual into the absolute terms and worked very hard to raise many salaries that we thought they were not justice. They were no longer relevant. And 
for the job that was being done and the responsibilities that were on the table, it didn't make sense. So in that sense, we were pushing that for a few years and we actually really, we were really able to close down those differences, the unfair differences, not totally, but the gap was really minimized as we started looking at the absolute numbers instead of the relative and percentual. And of course, I got questions along the way on this. Like, they're going to leave if they don't get a better raise. Again, mirroring and then flipping the perspective. I think she's going to leave if she's not getting paid what she would deserve for the kind of job that she does. Again, as soon as you see how, if it makes you feel strange when you're proposing something for a woman that was originally proposed for a man, then you know it's structural. Then it's about the structure and not about the individual. I think now looking back, it was one of the things that I'm very much proud of and uh, something that I'm absolutely seeing that more companies, more departments, and most importantly, more managers should have a look at. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing so much detail around that. I think what really stands out for me is is actually just facing up to the facts of situations you know like it's it is a relative increase when you look at percentage increases and it's not actually physically looking at who is paid what and is this fair when you talk about oh well everyone got a five percent but a five percent of what and when was that decided and that was probably decided based on what they earned before and so you go back and back and back and you know, when when people are un- leaving university or beginning their first role straight out of school and that that decision of what somebody should be put on and then that decision on who is going to get promoted and why and who you feel confident in and why. All of this compounds as it builds and builds and builds. And what I love about your story is that you've been a manager who's just gone, no, I'm going to stop this cycle. And I'm going to look at it here because there's so many managers out there that they feel like it's beyond them now or it's too difficult to fix. And I can imagine you had lots of difficulties in the fixing and you've shared that one of mirroring. You know, uh, he may leave if he doesn't receive a further pay rise or she may leave if she doesn't receive any pay rise. Super powerful. What other challenges did you have during all of this? Oh, I'm going to dive into that as well. Uh, I'm just going to share that uh, I've actually also had a lot of friends who came to know that they were heavily underpaid and that was their main reason for leaving. So there is also a change starting right now where there are people leaving their jobs for another job because they see and know through different dialogues. No, I'm, I'm not well paid. I'm underpaid in comparison to my colleagues. Absolutely. And when you look back to that time, it was a it was a big like change program you took you took everybody through to equalize pay. What other challenges did you face during that? When I was traveling, I've always been working with uh, older people than myself. I was always the youngest on the team. So, and then also, um, I, I guess I look kind of kind 
I have a very kind facial expression. So I'm often thought to be the more junior person than the senior person. It's never until you actually sit down and then it starts, you start with either with the negotiations or with the critical discussions where the focus is actually turning. But I've solved a lot of situations like those by starting the dialogue with, hi, I'm Sarah and I have this title and this is the program of today. This is my colleague and then starting the dialogue. Because we are still so primed with the visuals of who is what. If uh, if I ask myself who is a doctor, up until recently where I only actually know in my network female doctors, I've perceived a doctor as being an elderly man. If I see a pilot, still a man. And that was very much the frequent view that, yes, Pilot, man. CEO, man. A leader, man. But this is really changing right now. But the perceptions of the reality are still somewhat old-fashioned. Absolutely. I'm really pleased you've brought this up, you know, because this is something that I often encourage people to question themselves on at promotion time, at pay rise time, at just choosing who are you putting on that project? Why are you so confident in that person and that demographic? Is it because you associate yourself with it? Is it because you associate that credibility with it? What is it? And, and you know, how do we break that cycle so that we can be more diverse and therefore inclusive and allow everyone to shine with their skill sets? So I'm really pleased you've brought that up. And I think when it comes to the drivers behind inclusion, we still have a long way to go, especially within our industry. What are your thoughts on how far we've come and and how much further we need to go? I think that the main blocker for moving further is the trust base. At the end of the day, it's about your network and to whom you are visible. As a woman, there's never going to come someone to you and give you a new role because they know you do a good job in your position. You need to be top of mind and you need to be out there sharing what you want to do. You need to be out there sharing knowledge, inspiration, etc. Taking space, I think, is the summarizing word of it. Because if you look to when you're recruiting, and now I have a very vast female network, So for me, it's fairly natural to, if I need someone in something, I know which woman to call. But I would also, considering as business is very male, most definitely the financial space is very male. I have a lot of men also in my network. But for men who often are in groups where they meet other men, it's very natural for them to recruit someone in their trusted circle. Someone that they know they've done a good job in that position. They might not be the star, but they've done a good job because I trust that person. And uh, trust is super critical in business. So showing yourself to be trustable, I think, is a very important thing. Showing yourself trustable and visible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's exactly what you did when you focused on the pay parity and erasing that that gender pay gap for 
the value that was being added and the work that was being done. And this is the crux of this of this podcast. You know, I wanted to record this podcast special because I'm really interested in in showing case studies and examples of where people haven't just spoken about, oh, wasn't it terrible? There's a gender pay gap, but actually went and did something about it. And it's been really, really great to hear that you know, you educated, you you highlighted the problems to people, but then you looked at how people were paid and what they were paid and you looked at who needed to be promoted and who needed pay rises and importantly, who didn't based on, on what they were bringing in. So for this entire podcast, I want people to be able to replicate some of the work that you did and the impact that you made. My final question to you is what advice would you give to someone who's in a business right now, they know that they can do something about this, but they're just not sure how to start addressing their gender pay gap. What advice would you give? Are you ready to lose the high performers who are underpaid? Would your business be ready for it? Because we have a growing generation of women who are not accepting to be underpaid. We have a growing generation of women who are ready to leave a job if it's not sufficiently well paid and uh, you can have as much fun and have a great team and great people around you but that's always going to be this nagging feeling if you're underpaid and you know you're underpaid looking at the absolute numbers instead of the percentual numbers was a big key for me and that together with the mirroring if this would have been the other way around would it have been acceptable no Okay, then we need to do something about it. Really, really powerful. And Sarah, thank you so much for coming onto this episode and being so open with your journey on how you did something about it. And I really feel like that last point you made around the mirroring and actually saying, if this was the case, but mirror image, would we accept it? And if we're saying no, well, we need to do something about it. And just having that click moment in someone's mind, somebody who has the power to make this change, that's really what is needed to to make those first steps. So I really, really thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing such an amazing journey you took your team on and sharing your career, your passions and how you have made your impact within the community. So thank you for joining us on Fintech's DEI discussions. Let's listen. Let's learn. Let's walk the talk. Thank you.